Good evening, everybody. It is Monday, May 18th, 2014. Actually, it's Sunday, May 18th, 2014, and it's time for 10 Dozen Minutes of Jick and Mr. Skullhead with Jick and Mr. Skullhead, featuring Mr. Skullhead on lead guitar, Jick on lead guitar, Mr. Skullhead on bongos, and Jick on the didgeridoo. I'm Mr. Skullhead, and Jick is coming to you from a undisclosed location. Do you think we could get this movement off the ground of referring to May 18th as May 18th to save syllables? Ooh, I hope so. Like, May 4th is referred to as Star Wars Day to save negative one syllables. So, like, May 18th is, uh, British Friend Day? Yeah. <laughs> or, or is it Matey and it's Pirate Friend Day? Yeah, it's like Pirate Friend Day. I don't think pirates can afford to have friends. They spend all their booty on rum. Do you ha- do you think that pirates would have to buy friends? I think if somebody was like, you should come hang out with me, I'm a pirate. They'd be like, really? You're like one of those Somali terrorists? Kind of like, no, like a, a pretend pirate. Only it's real. I think I would probably hang out with them. Well, but I don't think that you don't have to buy your friendship, but you have to be able to like afford to spend time with somebody, right? I guess all you need for that is time. Well, I mean, to that time is money, though. Well, that's true. I mean, if somebody, if a pirate is like, hey, do you want to go to the bar with me? And you're like, ah, I I can't afford it, buddy. And he also doesn't have any booty. You know, he he needs, he needs ample booty if he's going to be my friend. uh, So that, so that he can, you know, buy drinks for my deadbeat ass. Well, he could probably just call one of his other pirate friends, you know, like uh, a booty call. Okay. That's when they, that's when they call to borrow some money. Exactly. Good. Man, I read this pirate book. I finished it yesterday, and it's so good. What pirate book is that? Uh, On Stranger Tides by Tim Powers. Oh, yeah. That was the book that the fourth movie was based on, right? But it has nothing to do with that property to begin with. Theoretically, there there was like this sort of weird causality and influence chain where like this is the book that was sort of the primary inspiration for the uh, Monkey Island video games. So oh. This book came out in like the mid to late eighties, and uh, and then the Monkey Island games were sort of strongly influential of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies once they came out, and then the fourth Caribbean movie was nominally based on this book. Although I don't know, I like because I was told that the later Pirates of the Caribbean movies were not any good. I never sought them out. Like I think I saw huh. this. I think I saw the first two in the theater. The first two I really liked. The third one was really spectacularly dull. And then, but on Stranger Tides was actually good because they pared down all of the subplots and bullshit and basically just kind of reboot it to Captain Jack and Barbosa and a love interest for a triangle and some mermaids. So it was pretty cool. I'm curious as to how closely it hews to the book. It doesn't sound like it hews closely to the book at all. Um, yeah. I mean, I think the the character that is the the closest, the, the thing that I, the one that I picture as being the most Captain Jack-like is not even the main character. And, uh, you know, there's Blackbeard, who I know was, he figures into it pretty highly, uh, who was played by Ian McShane uh-huh. in the fourth one. But there isn't a Barbosa or a Barbosa-like. Yeah, who knows? Um... I don't. Wh- so, which is the one where there's a big scene where Johnny Depp is like on a sort of infinite expanse of white sand? That's the third one. Oh, maybe I did see the third one in the theater. It was. Uh, I watched it in an airport on a laptop. 
And, you know, maybe that was suboptimal viewing, but it just was kind of endless. And it, it, every single character that had been in the previous two had to have a little story arc. It seemed like, like even the guy with the wooden eye and his buddy have a whole bit of business that they have to do. There was the side plot where he meets that girl with the hair lip. Yep. (laughs) That Um, is the best, one of the best jokes. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's a dad joke, but as I, as I age into what would be dad territory, had I, had I made different choices, I'm getting more and more okay with the dad joke. Yeah. I mean, a, a dad joke is just wit plus time. Yeah. So, dad jokes are the Republicans of jokes. Right. <laughs> like, all it takes for an actual funny guy to turn into a dad joke guy is 30 years. I mean, you get to the point where you understand that this pun is really stupid, but you don't care if anybody thinks you're really stupid. And language is just kind of delightful. And so you say, like, I like the movie White Chicks because I'm keen on Ivory Wayans. <laughs> you just let it go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, and then we, and then we went on, I, I did a little noir scene about having to choose between Dame and Wayans. <laughs> um, that was jokes about weighing things. That was what we did in chat the other day. Um, you know, it, the dad joke seems largely predicated on an unironic appreciation of puns. Uh huh. And I have never, like, I have always felt like the groan response to puns is is always sort of fake. Everyone actually likes puns. That is my secret belief. Yeah, and, it, the, and the dad And the dad joke purveyors are the ones who just admit it. They're like, you know what? Puns are fucking great, and y'all can suck my middle-aged dick. Y'all can suck my dick in the middle ages, and yeah. when I come, I'll shout, huzzah! Yeah, also, can I bring my friend middle-aged Dick? He's he's lonely, <laughs> he's lonely since his wife left him. He was a kind he's, of an asshole. Yeah, he's got a good job, though. He's a detective. <laughs> he's a time-traveling detective. <laughs> um... Yeah, what have you been up to? It's been it's been a while since we got our shit together enough to record this. You know, you fucking told me that this would happen, and I didn't listen. <laughs> the 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 main problem being that that lately it has it has revealed itself to just be impossible for me to use the new studio on Mondays, which is frustrating for people who are accustomed to doing something every Monday for many years. Um, yeah, but we finally well, just we finally just admitted it, Ted. We should record these on Sundays. And so we did if on the Lord's own day. We could, uh, we could record thirty or thirty-one of them, or twenty-eight if it was a February of Sundays. I always thought a month of some of Sundays just meant four Sundays. Oh yeah, but I guess that wouldn't make sense for the way that saying is used. Is it like how is that saying used? Is it like a once in a blue moon kind of thing, or I wouldn't even do that on a month of Sundays? Yeah, maybe I don't even know how that statement... I I don't really use that saying. I haven't used that saying since a month of Sundays. Yeah. I'm going to look it up, you know? Because that's what people that's what people like, is when we look stuff up. The uh, more you know. A month. A month of Sundays. Uh, third, third Google result. Seems like it's been a month of Sundays. A very long time, or too long. Uh, too idiomatic. A tardy person. What? 
That guy is a month that of Sundays. That guy's a real month of Sundays. Huh. Really? Yeah, boy, I don't believe that. So if it is just a long time, that makes sense that it's just the number of Sundays that has been, that have elapsed in a month. So They're this just one, like, dude, I haven't seen you in a month is not, is not colorful enough. This will say not in a month of Sundays. If you say that something will not happen in a month of Sundays, you mean that it is not likely to happen. He'll never run the huh. marathon, not in a month of Sundays. Like, which I kind of imagine, like, you wouldn't get around to that even if you had an entire month of Sundays, implying that you had a month where there were no other obligations, you know, except, oh, except to Jesus. But, but which yeah, is I funny because that like you would think Sundays are the day where you don't do anything. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's what the song "Every Day Is Like Sunday" was about. It was a month of Sundays, except it was an entire lifetime of Sundays. Interesting. You know, a lifetime of Sundays, a lifetime on the on the lips, a lifetime squared on the hips. Um. So you got Sundays on your hips. I mean, I guess if you ate a month of Sundays. I've got Sundays on my hips and Georgia on my mind. That's the, see, that's that pun again. Like, I, I get that all you're saying when you say like, hey, I cut myself while I was opening the maraschino cherries. So you're going to have a Sunday bloody Sunday is that those two words sound similar and that there is this cultural phrase that we understand together. But I, I think that's enough. Yeah, I, I bet modern dad humor is slightly more U2 centric than dad humor of bygone eras. What, uh, me as well? I mean, that's, I was thinking about the Keenan Ivory Wayans thing because I couldn't stop thinking it over and over again. And I, I think I enjoy puns more the more work that someone has to put into it or the more prior knowledge that someone has to bring in. Because you have to know that the guy's name is Keenan Ivory Wayans. You have to know that the movie White Chick stars members of his family in whiteface so that they have ivory skin. Oh, wow. I don't think I even got it. So you're keen on Ivory Wayans's like. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's that's even better now that you've explained it, which I guess is probably another hallmark of dad. <laughs> that hardly ever like, happens. <laughs> yeah. I'll be damned. Yeah. Well, so apart from making jokes about Keenan Ivory Wayans, what have you done, low these three weeks? It's been only Man, three weeks of Sundays since our last confession. I spent like ten days remodeling a bathroom, and that was a lot of work, but looks really cool now. Did you finally do that thing you were scared to do about a window? I just had a guy put in the window, and then I dug out all of the drywall around the window. Was it and, a real guy, or was it a fake you know. guy like Macaulay Culkin put in the window? <laughs> Yeah, I just put a, a standee of Brad Pitt in the window. Actually, I put a standee of Ted Danson in the window so that everyone would think that somebody had died in the apartment where my life was being shot. <laughs> uh, God damn it. My mother-in-law had... I had an argument with my mother-in-law about that. The, like, did you know that there's totally a ghost in the Three Men and a Baby like in the background and I said well you know actually I saw that it's a, sta a cardboard thing of Ted Danson from a deleted scene which I didn't say it like uh, well actually it's uh, it's not a fucking ghost okay I was just like hey, here's a thing that I learned and I, I will share with you that I learned a thing and she was like no 
no, it's not. It's a ghost. I've seen it. I was like, oh my, oh my God. <laughs> That's, I mean, you have to just abort on that argument right then, right? Like, yeah. if you cannot have an argument with someone who does not agree with this sort of axiom that there, there isn't a ghost anywhere. Well, just someone who doesn't agree that, uh, someone who's not open to, here are some guys who did some research and this is what they discovered. <laughs> right? Like, I don't even need there to not be ghosts in the world. I just need to say like, Hey, look, these guys went and they talked to the people who made it. It turns out it was filmed on a soundstage. Like, to me, it's more interesting to know this, the true story. I think that you're probably not. I'm not in the majority on yeah, that. Yeah, you're not in the majority on that. And that always baffles me when, like, when there was that meme going around to the lady who got fired and she, like, was holding up signs embarrassing her boss. This, like, little slideshow about her getting fired, and it turned out that that was a hoax. And people were posting, yeah, I don't care if it was a hoax, it's still a funny story. And, like, no, it's not anymore. Uh, you <laughs> I mean, know, I mean... I'm if it were a true story, I would expect it to... If it were not a true story, I would expect it to be funnier. Yeah, but, I mean, the thing is, it like, I feel like that would have been... If that had been a scene in a movie, you would have thought, that's a cool scene... Yeah. Maybe, you know, I mean, but if it had been a scene in a movie, it would have been polished up to be more entertaining. But I mean, it obviously was entertaining because it had to have been in order to go viral with everybody's mom. Yeah. But yeah. like for me, it's it's entertaining because it's nice to think about this thing actually happening, this person getting this little revenge on her boss. And it, it's it's kind of artless and clumsy, but. That makes sense if it's somebody actually getting revenge on a boss. Like, if it's not true, like, well, at least buff it up a little bit, you know? Uh, make another, do another draft. There was, there was a, on the, on the next to last episode of the Overthinking It podcast, they had a guest who, who brought up this story about a, uh, a sort of a, a test that they use to identify psychopaths. Have you, have you heard this? No. Okay. So basically, it's a story. You, you, it's, it's, it's sort of like the, like the personality inventory in, uh, uh, Clockwork Orange. All right. So there is a woman who at her mother's funeral meets this guy and they hit it off and they really like each other a lot. And they're like, yeah, this is, this is great. We should, we should see each other again. But then she leaves without getting his number and has no way of getting a hold of him. A week later, she murders her sister. Why? Yeah. So, so that, I mean, to me, it just reads like, you know, it's a sort of an interesting, like, lateral thinking puzzle. Right. As it turns out. But did you immediately understand why? Did you have an answer in your head for why she did it? No. Okay. Because apparently, if someone immediately figures out the answer, which is so that there will be another funeral that that guy will attend. Oh, okay. That if you figure, <laughs> if you figure that out right away, that that means that you are a psychopath. Whoa, shit, sorry. I'm having some microphone issues. Um, and, you know, he told that story and it's like, oh, this is a test for, this is a test for psychopathy that you can just do, right? And then nah. somebody immediately debunked it in, the, in a comment thread, which, ah, you know, that's fine. I guess I would rather have that story be the interesting version of it that it was when I heard it than the nothing version of it that it was once it was debunked. Huh. 
because I think that's kind of interesting. Because I didn't. I think I'm going to, you know, and and what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and spring it on. uh, You know, I'm just going to spring it on on uh, on Riff and Hot Stuff to see if either of them is a psychopath. Right. Or probably more likely to see if they've heard the story before. I think it's just as interesting if it's here is a weird thought puzzle that you would have to have kind of a morbid sense of humor to solve. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I don't think I don't, I don't like the world in which that's debunked more than I like the world in which I just believed that that was a thing. Cause I mean, that's a thing I can't, if you examined it closely enough, it's like, you know, I really doubt if that one weird little puzzle invented by a mom is enough to actually diagnose like whether someone is a dangerous psychopath or not. <laughs> right. But like, oh yeah, like you, you hear it and you're like, oh, whoa, huh? Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. That makes a kind of sixth sense. Yeah. If you, if you see dead people all the time. Sure. Like if you see another one next week. So you right. can meet that guy again. Anyway, so, so uh, tell, me, tell uh, me about your bathroom. Uh, tell me about bathroom? your bathroom job. Yeah, I knocked. Uh, well, so we put the new window in. The the dude put the window in, and then I demolished all of the walls in the shower stall and put up. Well, made some new shit in there so that I could put some concrete board up, and then we tiled the whole thing to the ceiling. I put in little shelves in the back that are set into the wall, which is super dope. Oh, like in among the tiles? Yeah, like using the wall cavity behind the tiled wall to make like an inset. So that was super cool. I ended up, Um, I got one of those when they redid my shower, and I very much wish that I had had them do four of them instead of one of them, because one of them is just not enough. Like there is, in my shower, there is... Well, not for all of your product. Well, I have... I have a product, which is a bar of soap that I use occasionally, right? Not for not for the amount of product that is in a shower that is shared with a woman. And, you know, my girlfriend doesn't even use that many shower products. It's just that she uses some. And yeah, shower storage yeah. kind of turns into a refrigerator. Like, you buy a new kind of shampoo, and you're like, wow, this shampoo sucks, right? Or... You, like, go on a trip, and you're like, ah, fuck, I forgot to bring my shampoo. So you buy some shampoo, and then you take it back, and you put it in the shower, and you're like, I'm never going to use this, but I don't want to throw it away. So you just accumulate a bunch of shit that you're probably never going to use. Yeah. The way that happens in your refrigerator, if you're me, at least. Um, You know, and so, I mean, it's nice to occasionally go on a purge. You go on a pogrom against the, against the shampoos. But, um... But yeah, there's like there's like maybe uh, 18 inches by three inches of places where you can set stuff in my shower at home, and that is not right. that is not enough. I did two, so I've got a a foot long one, and because the studs weren't even in there, I've got a 16 inch one. Well, the studs I'm weren't sure even heard. in there until I came over to take a shower. Yeah, and then I, I brought some studs with me, like I always do. <laughs> I was like, are those even pressure treated? You can't bring those in the shower. It's horrible. Yeah, it's uh, weird. Then I, you can pressure t- so pressure treated lumber is safe against water, but not fire. <laughs> and the opposite is true <laughs> of the other. Kind. It depends on what pressures you're putting it under. Mm. Yeah. Uh, then I painted the room six times, and that was exciting. Like six different colors because you couldn't make your mind up, or 
Well, first I painted little spots of four different shades of yellow. And that wasn't going anywhere. So then I put a... I did a two coats of orange that were like, fuck it, if this isn't the right orange, we'll just put up with it. And after two coats, the orange was looking like it was going to take six coats. So I was like, well, I don't want to be painting this room six times. So instead, I put on two coats of primer over that and then two coats of dark gray over that. And now it looks great, but uh, I'm very glad it's a very small room. Huh. But it's gr- so it's gray? Your bathroom is painted gray? Yeah, there's not a whole lot of wall in there now because the shower stall goes up to the ceiling. And then the there's beadboard from, like, waist level down. What's beadboard? Like, you know the stuff that is on the bottom of a a wall under a chair rail, I want to say? No, is it, that's, it's just like more, little, that's just more wall in my experience. Yeah. Or maybe... Some boards with... Some boards with some lines down them. Oh, like just just like paneling. Yeah. Huh. Beadboard? Like B-E-A-D? Yeah. Or B-E-E-D. Like this beadboard before and it's still beadboard. No, beadboard as in, uh, yo man, you want to go play some beadboard? All right. That's, that's like that basketball that you play where you're not allowed to touch the ball with anything other than a plank of wood. Uh, no, it's the basketball that you play on a skateboard. <laughs> Oh man! And if the like if there were half pipes leading up to the baskets, yeah, oh, that would be fucking rad. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, like rad. Like that's how people would describe it back in the eighties when it was practical that such a thing could exist. Like, man, this should be. This is gonna possibly be tubular. Hmm. And I bet the cheerleaders so that's, would that's have audacious tatas. Oh yeah, that's pretty much uh, been my life. For the past couple of weeks, so I'm very glad that that is over. So, what have you been up to, man? Oh, uh, working and having a cold. And, uh, You've yeah. been working on getting over your cold? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Like, I think what I did was I started working on living a normal life slightly too early in the cold recovery process, and so now there's just some lingering. Some yeah. ling- lingonberries? I-, I have to cough up a lingonberry every once in a while. Is that like a lung oyster? Yeah, yeah. It's precisely <laughs> like that. Um, lingonberry is the Swedish word for lung oyster. I bet you thought that uh, uh, that those meatballs were vegan, but they're totally not. I think vegans can eat horses. Mm, okay. And yeast. The, the sauce for the meatballs is made out of a lot of yeast. Can vegans eat yeast? Oh, I don't know, because yeast is totally alive. It is. Mm, I bet they can. I'll bet they can. I also, um, I somehow managed to hurt my neck sleeping like a week ago, and it still hurts. Yeah. You ever hurt your neck or your back or your pussy or your crack? <laughs> I've hurt my window and my walls and uh, till the sweat hangs off of my balls. Mm, okay. <sighs> yeah. So you, you hurt your neck and your back? Yeah, and I spent the entirety of yesterday just sort of Batmaning it because it hurt too much to turn my head. And that uh, fucking sucks. And it's like, I'll, like, try to sleep on my back, but that never works, you know? It's like you just yeah. wake up every ten minutes. I'm like, man, I really wish I could roll over and actually sleep, but I better not until you finally, in the middle of the night, you're like, fuck it, I'm going to do it. And then an hour later, you wake up in agony because you fucked your neck up again. God damn it. God damn it, Mr. Skullhead. I want this meat to work better. But it's only going to keep working worse. 
Yeah, you're pretty much on the decline. And have been for years. How did this happen, Mr. Skullhead? I guess it's the same way we the same way we turned into dad joke guys. Yeah, maybe you didn't uh, drink enough milk. Mm, that's probably it. Muscle. I didn't drink enough muscle milk. Yeah. Because I certainly didn't drink enough of that, no matter how much enough is. Also, is it even a liquid? Also, what is that? I think of muscle milk as a thing that, that they sell at supplement oh, that, stores, yeah. but also I think of it as a powder. I guess it could be... But powder. also, gu- guided muscle milk is a little different. That's that's just semen. Okay. <laughs> High-velocity high muscle milk. There's something called, like, protein milk that's being sold on billboards in our town, and it says, like... Has 50% more protein than regular milk. And uh, I want my questions answered about that before I try it. Like, what the fuck kind of protein is that? It's funny that nuts are high in protein and also nut is high in protein. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, man. So, I have a question. I know it bothers you when people use nut as a verb and as also a synonym of the product. Does the yeah, same just because it's gross? Does yeah, but I mean it. It in a lot of ways that just makes it equivalent to ejaculate, right? Because ejaculate and ejaculate huh. are the same word, are they? I guess they're in the dictionary twice. It's the same word, but it's pronounced differently depending on the sense. Yeah. Right. Precipitate and precipitate like are the. Yeah. I ejaculated all over her precipitates. <laughs> but I'm bumped. Her precipitous tits? Yeah. Gotcha. Well, gosh. Re- remodeling that bathroom, huh? That's pretty much where I was living, yeah. I did go to uh, the Spring Con this year. That was fun. What's a Spring Con? Well, actually, I went to the the big Comic Con came to town. It's the one that Wizard World is putting on as like a traveling show, and went to Spring Con, which is the local Comic Con. Okay. And just dis- discovered that I like Spring Con way way better. What What were the highlights? The uh, well, like Spring Con is more like what Comic Con probably was in the eighties. Where it's people who are really enthusiastic about comics and a lot of people who do comic style art. And then like four resellers of new collectibles and eight resellers of old toys from like the 80s and 90s. So it's not like, it's not massive, but it has this really, really kind of nice DIY feel to it. Like, enthusiastic amateurs have put this together. Right, so it's like the so, Dragon Con of Comic Cons. Yeah, I mean, like, there's a there's a whole corner of the room that's just dedicated to people. Uh, a Lego enthusiast club that brings in giant things that they've made out of Legos. Yeah, like, there's a big uh, that was fantastic. section devoted to that at the uh, Phoenix Comic Con. Mm-hmm. And there was a little kid's zone called the Arkham Carnival, which... Just some people cosplaying as the Batman villains were running this thing and like making balloon animals for kids and 
having him throw darts at dartboards and shit. And it, it was, it's just charming. Were the balloon animals secretly filled with poison gas? That seems like the thing that they would do there. My kid won't stop smiling. So I, he must have had a really good time. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Never let the Joker make you a balloon animal. Poof, you're a balloon animal. But, uh, the wait, Wizard Con, I think the Wizard Con was just trying too hard to be like San Diego <laughs> Con in the wrong ways. Where that, like, the tickets were about what San Diego Comic Con is, but the convention floor was maybe a quarter the size of of what Comic Con is, and a lot of it was just people with the latest shit from Japan and the latest little collectible toys. Hmm. So it was kind of a lot of the same stuff, and like they had a couple of celebrity guests and like a single panel at a time that like each of them did one panel and they had the, the autograph thing, which I will never understand or do. So it, it was kind of disheartening. Like this, this isn't any fun. Yeah. I don't know if I, I mean, a comic con badge costs what, like 70, 80 bucks. Yeah. Or is it, is it more than that? I mean, I don't know that I would feel ripped off. If Comic-Con was a quarter the size, if you could actually go to this stuff, right? If Comic-Con was a quarter the size and one sixteenth as well attended, I would feel like that was a pretty good value for being able to see some stuff. Hmm. But, I mean, I guess it also depends on how much of the... How much of the exhibit floor is just people selling shit and how much of it is... I mean, I guess it's all people selling shit in a certain sense... But like, right, but they're directly selling shit. Yeah, and I mean, I guess, like, if the there is in my mind, there is so little value in that kind of commerce because it's like this is harder and more unpleasant than buying the rare collectible thing that I want to buy, like on eBay. Huh. And I mean, I guess. Digging through some guy's box of comics from 50 years ago from the back of his store, you might find something that he didn't even know that he had and get a hell of a deal on it. But that doesn't seem like it happens all that often. I mean, I guess it's nice to be able to meet in person the people who make things and, like, have them write a dedication to you in their book or whatever, (laughs) you know? But I also, like, the bloom went off that rose real, real fast for me. After the first oh, see, I still like, I still like meeting people who have done work that I admire. Yeah. But like, I don't, I would never pay any amount of money really to have an autograph from somebody and like talk to them awkwardly for 20 seconds or like have a really awkward photo taken with them. If that's how it was phrased, then yeah. I mean, I, I have certainly like, like there was a comic artist that I really liked at Comic Con and I was like, you know. I'm going to go buy something of his so that he, I can present him with something to sign in a way that actually supports him, you know, yeah, except sure. that I just had to go buy it from one of the resellers because he wasn't selling anything, hmm. you know, but then I was really disappointed by Stan Sakai's deal where I was like, Hey, can I get you to, can I get, if I buy one of these, can I get you to do a sketch in the cover? And he was like, it already has one in it that I did ahead of time. To save time. I was like, oh. 
Oh. Okay. Well, I'm still going to buy it because I like you. But. <laughs> right. Aw. And he, like, as a general rule, he's a pretty oh, great yeah, guy. Oh, yeah, he absolutely is. But, yeah, I just, I was like, oh, man. Because he was, like, so excited. He was like, oh, I figured out how to save all this time by doing this at home before coming. I'm like, oh. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. yeah, but the point is that you get to yeah, watch him do good. it, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, anyway. It's like if you go into a strip club and the girl's like, yeah, I just took all my clothes off at home and then I put them back on. <laughs> yep. He saves time. Just put a dollar in this box. I don't even need to be here. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely... I, no, I, I, I like, prize efficiency in my erotic entertainment more so yeah. than my non-erotic entertainment. Like, I would... I would definitely go to somebody's booth and buy a thing from them and have them sign it. But this is more like... Yeah, just go there, the, pay $15 the, to for them to pretend that they like you for 30 seconds. Yeah, and it it was doubly awkward at this at Wizard World because the prices were set according to how popular the people were. And then I just felt bad for them. Like, well, Robert England's pulling 65 bucks. Nathan Fillion's got 100 Ernie Hudson from Ghostbusters is only at like forty bucks. That's kind of shitty for him. Like this guy I've never heard of is thirty five bucks, probably because I've never heard of him. But that sucks. Like I wanted the, I wanted an option where I could pay like five dollars and just go shake the guy's hand and say, "Hey, man, you know this already, but Nightmare on Elm Street is super dope," and then just walk away. <laughs> like that's kind of what I want. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a, like, it's a weird thing, right? It is a way for sort of lower grade celebrities with a lot of nerd cred to make a bunch of money. Yeah, and I, d- I don't begrudge people doing it. I I just don't wouldn't do it myself. It is always sad to see the guy with no line, you know, and it's like, yeah. you know, like it was always weird to see like the honky tonk man at Comic Con just there to meet and greet and nobody really caring to meet him or greet him yeah you know and it's like mm, yeah but you know i don't know i like there's a part of me that thinks well you know you could also just do something new and people would buy that but it's not always i mean and i guess for for actors especially it's like almost not ever up to them whether they're in something contemporary that would be as good as the commercial flop that is why they are popular at Comic-Con, you know? The two of the guests were Nathan Fillion and Karen Gillan. Karen Gillan was on Doctor Who for a long time, and she's in Guardians of the Galaxy coming out, so, like, both of them are pretty much on the ball still, so it seems weird that they would come and sit for these photo ops. I mean, I like, guess it doesn't seem they weird They don't need the like, money, right? Well, but I mean, that yeah, sure. But I mean, if somebody said, hey... If you fly here and sit in this booth for four hours, you can make, you know, 12 grand or whatever. It's like, uh, okay, I'm not doing anything this weekend. Like, and I, I, I would like to think that maybe they enjoy it a little bit. Like, I enjoy when we sit and sign our autographs. Yeah, I mean, I can deal with that because we don't have a whole lot of people who show up for it, you know? Mm-hmm. And it gets uncomfortable when awkward nerds, like, kind of don't, you know, it's not, it's not that they don't know when it's time for them to leave. It's like they don't know that they have to at all. So 
yeah, and uh, like because I don't want to be mean, and I and I have to understand that like it is not mean to say, all right, well, time for you to let somebody else have a chance. Enjoy the rest yeah. of the show. Like they're not going to be offended by that, but that's still. I can deal with it for like an hour at a time, right? Hmm. And that is a low level of having to deal with it compared to like any nerd celebrity. And I don't know. It's, yeah. I I bet they enjoy some of it. I've got to imagine being like Karen Gillan, who's the just smoking hot redhead that... She gets a lot of dudes who are paying $100 to, like, smell her hair, and that's got to be gross. Yeah. Yeah, I just couldn't. I like, damn, I would, I would really like to meet some of these people. Like, I'm. there's no way I'm going to pay, like, 90 bucks for me and my wife to get in there and then pay a bunch of money to meet people. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. I, I would rather have the, like... Like when Felicia Day stopped by our booth at Comic Con, it was like a genuine interaction with someone for a couple of minutes, and that was totally cool. Yep. 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 Hey, well. So you like it so better. Comic-Con. You like it better when the celebrities come to you, is what you're saying. I, I would like just running into someone in a more casual setting. My high five from uh, Xander from Buffy was all that I needed. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I guess the most <clears throat> the most gratifying encounters that I've ever had with celebrities were times when I was at a thing that they were also at. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm cool, I guess. <laughs> like, but you know, how often is that going to happen to your average kid? Your average kid's got to yeah. pay for that mm-hmm. shit. All we had to do was pay our dues. Time after time. Ah, uh, do you want to answer some questions? Yeah, let's do some of those. Jeffrey says, if aluminum tastes like fear, according to REM, what does bismuth taste like? Uh, does it taste like a bitch, Mr. Skullhead? In my experience, bismuth tastes like peppermint. Uh, and Is that... Oh, that's what's in Pepto-Bismol. Is bismuth subsalicylate. Uh, huh. I don't know, though. I mean, sometimes it tastes like cherry if you send somebody else to get it and they get the wrong kind. Yeah. It's not bad. It's just, I think a lot of why Pepto-Bismol works is because I believe that it works. And if it doesn't taste like the Pepto-Bismol of my youth, then it loses some of that power. Yeah, my wife insists, like, every time she has gas, she takes that. It's like, it, it doesn't help gas. It's just for heartburn. Or when she's nauseated, she'll take it. And it, it works for her. It's the power of placebo. It does... I mean, sometimes nausea is just secretly heartburn, right? So, hmm. and I don't know. I think it probably says nausea and anti-diarrheal on the, on the bottle, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, eh, you're probably right. I definitely only use it for heartburn at this point, though. And it's only like serious emergency heartburn, too, which hardly ever happens now that I got on my, got on my medicine. Like an old man get up every morning and take a pill. And if I forget yesterday, which I did, then I have heartburn today, which I do. 
Hmm. Noobsauce writes, I feel like you aren't promoting core family values, and here's why. Mr. Accessory seems to have a child, Mr. Accessory Jr., but there's only two ways that can happen. Either Mr. Accessory is asexual, or he slept with Ms. Accessory. This suggests that either Ms. Accessory is not married to Mr. Accessory, and therefore they had a child out of wedlock, which is terrible for family values, or Ms. Accessory doesn't want other people to know she's married to Mr. Accessory because she's a cheating tramp. Which is it? I've always been curious. Dude, there's a... There's definitely a brand of woman out there who thinks that it's irrelevant to any conversation whether they're married or not, and that's why they go by Ms. Or Ms. Accessory could be a teacher who just didn't want to change her name when she yeah. when she she didn't want to change her name to Mrs. Her Existing Last Name. Exactly. They both had the same last name because they're, they're actually the only two adult members of their species. Well, I mean, Jess goes by Ms. Knight. So, like, she's using my last name, but she doesn't really take the Mrs. Yeah. I think that was the whole point of the Miz, which is like, you don't even have to know what the deal is with my last name and stuff. Yeah, it's like you're not. I think you're overlooking a third option here, Noob Sauce. Uh, maybe he's third option blind. Oh. It could just be, it could be a, a disability that he has. <laughs> Naughty Player says, this is about the exciting Twitch live event. Go you. Well, gosh, thanks, I guess. We're excited about it, too. The Mighty Ian says nothing. Just a blank question. That's pretty good. Sexy Fork says, are there any plans for pie man was not meant to eat to ever become consumable? Eh, people have consumed some. It's a secret, but I bet you'll figure it out if you think about it enough. Hikaru Hmm. Yami says, well, maybe not think about it. It's not maybe a thing that you could solve by thinking about it, but it's a thing that you could solve by doing research. Yeah. Hikaru Yami says, this may have been asked a dozen times already, but would you consider putting a permanent plus pool skill in other accomplishments in the quest log as something that persists across ascensions and is directly relevant to ascension? It seems like it would fit into that nicely, like demon names. Yes. Um, I should figure out some way to display that. It does seem like a kind of a weird thing to... (coughs) Pardon me. Fuck. (coughs) Got some lingonberries. Um... It seems like a weird thing for other accomplishments because it is a thing that, like, you can change by having effects and having stuff equipped. I don't know if it is, like, a core enough part of what's going on to have it on the character sheet. That's Mm -hmm. largely why it hasn't gone anywhere yet is because it's a weird one-off thing that I don't exactly know where to put it. But I guess I could put it on the character sheet, and if somebody complains about it, I can tell them to shut up. (coughs) That is absolutely your prerogative, yes. Christ! Mr. Scullet, I got a frog in my bronchus. <clears throat> and I got a, a bronco in my... Uh, is there a part of your body that sounds like a frog? <laughs> your uh, armpit. More armpit. Kind of sounds like a frog. <laughs> <laughs> um... My rib bit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Your rib bits, yes. <laughs> uh, Minox says, do you plan on retrofitting zones with semi-rares in the future? Zones that lack one right now? I mean, you know, <clears throat> we... Uh, so when semi-rares were just like an item that was like a potion that did a thing... We kind of ran out of categories of things to do way before we ran out of zones. 
which is why a lot of those things didn't have them. If we think of it early enough in the process, or if we like, you know, for an ascension, for like a core kind of ascension critical path zone, we will sometimes now work semi-rares and clovers into the like shortcut progression through them. But if we hmm. don't think of that early enough in the process, then it's not always easy to retrofit something that people would actually care about into there. I mean, in an ideal world, everything would have a semi-rare, but in order to make it so everything has a semi-rare, some of the semi-rares are just going to be like kind of dumb placeholders, which that doesn't seem like an ideal world. Yeah. So if you're asking for more semi-rares, what you're asking for is dumber semi-rares. Yeah. That's true. Anytime you ask for more of stuff, what you're asking for is slightly crappier stuff on average. (laughs) Please, sir, could I have some more and could you water it down a little bit? Because I know that you can't just make it so there's more. Shadow369 says, how many adventures does it take to get to the Ool table again? Uh, let's ask Mr. Owl. Actually, let's ask Mr. Skullhead. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't remember what the little cycling number in the new pool room is set to. I mean, I think that all of those zones still have the, like, native non-combat chance so that you can, you know, you can wear your whatever. Toilet boots. That seems like a thing that would increase (laughs) non-combat chance. Oliver Sudden says, Oh, finally, I thought you'd never record another. Seriously, though, can we get more smiling class avatars? The only one I've seen smiling is the Postamancer one. Some of us are happy people. There are, there are smiling... There are a lot of smiling ones. I don't know that everybody has there like, was... a smiling, smiling one, but, like, a lot of the early... Like, the first avatars, the original, the classic avatars, uh, right. were frowny or, or, at the very least, just sort of serious you know fat face flat flat face flat face is what I they mean, call a guy seal clubbers serious. aren't like happy people either <clears throat> yeah i mean they they bear this burden of having to protect uh, the entire kingdom from from the forces of hell you know yep well i guess it's not really hell is hades hell are there there aren't like really a lot of damned souls in hades right yeah except for in the, the in the suburbs I think the suburbs of Dis. The suburbs of Dis, yeah, okay, right. Uh, Dead Man Walking says, how would you go about leveling up quickly? I wouldn't. I would take my time and enjoy the ride. Cube of Eleven says, I'm super excited about the upcoming live development event on May 24th, 2014. Thank you for being very specific about when you're excited about that. Uh, For players, are we using Twitch's chat to include non-loathing players or in-game chat, effective moderation, or some sort of automatic bridging between the two? Uh, It would be cool in general to have an in-game chat channel with each person's frequency set to their last adventure location, so you can chat with people adventuring in the same place as you are, which seems like a good fit for for this event. That is a really good idea, actually. Huh. It it kind of seems like it it would be interesting for, like, weird ad hoc conversations happening but it would also be very hard to follow anything because it's like well I'm out of adventure so I can't go talk to my friends in the you know uh, I fart cave channel I'm assuming that would be the popular one if we're going to be coming up with stuff on the fly here some of it's going to be a fart cave <laughs> yep. um, 
I... So, I think you'll use Twitch chat for whatever it ends up being used for during the thing, because, I mean, it's there. I'm not going to turn it off. I don't really feel like I super need to moderate it while it's going on, unless somebody becomes real problematic, which that'll be obvious in a hurry. Um, I don't know if I, you know, if we were to, like, direct people to a specific chat channel in KOL, whether that would even work, really. So, I mean, it kind of depends. Like, ideally, some new people will sign up for KOL accounts and play this while it's happening, right? And Hmm. what that means is that there will probably be a lot of talk about it in Newbie and in other channels that those people find their way into. Um, I don't don't think that during a world event there's going to be any shortage of people talking about the world event, though. So, that'll be all right. For our characters, how many adventures and how much organ space should we set aside for the event? Or will there be refreshments that cover that? Is there a dress code or minimum stat recommendation? No, I definitely am going to make it accessible to people who, like, create an account, like, right then. So you'll be able to get there, like, as a character who just skipped the tutorial and probably be able to fight like a normal person in it. Um, Hmm. And I'll figure out some way to make it not completely irrelevant for higher level people. But, um, you know, as much as as much as you want, it's going to be weird because it's like even if it's like, well, so this world event is like a quest that takes 50 turns. If you spend 500 turns in it before I finish it. Then you're going to have used all your turns. Uh, so I don't. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's it's going to be interesting. Like the optimal way to approach it is going to be very difficult to determine, I think, which is fine. Um, but I mean, you know, world events it usually doesn't hurt to save up all your turns for it. Yeah. Linguini lad says, why did you make food that we can't eat? I didn't, Linguini lad. I didn't. Dun dun dun. Uh, Hamfish says, I mean, damned fish says, this new challenge path looks simple but very interesting at the same time, and I look forward to trying it out. I've seen some people on the forums complaining about the trendy like restrictions of this in future paths, which I gather is for leaderboard reasons and will vanish when the path is no longer the most current one. I think the most obvious solution is to restrict all items with an auto sell value of greater than 10 meat. That should put everyone on equal footing. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, everything important has an auto sell value of zero, so you wouldn't be able to use anything. That would be great. Joy says, hey, guys, I know it's funny to throw bricks and all, but can we please be allowed to put them into trade offers? Bricks are not there. Bricks are the only item that I can think of that can pass between players, but are not able to be securely traded. Please let us put bricks into trade offers. I think that what you should do is you should wrap a note around a brick that says, can I have 400 meat for this brick and throw it through somebody's (laughs) window? And then they'll be so appreciative that they'll say, yes, they'll send, they'll throw another brick back that says, yes. And then they'll send you 400 meat, but then you'll have to send it right back to them. Hey. Um, John Diaz says, oh, wait, no. Poisonous Spike says, I noticed the Cubist Bull from the Haunted Gallery drops less meat than before. What was the purpose of this change? Uh, all of the stats of the stuff in the existing uh, Spooky Raven zones got changed. And so I assume that any changes to their meat drops were just to put them more in line with the meat drops of a monster of that stat level. Uh, but I don't. There wasn't a, a deliberate nerfing of farming or something? I don't think so, but I mean, that is the kind of thing that we will do when we are going through and changing numbers, because it's like, doesn't hurt. Makes the economy a little bit healthier. I don't know. 
Sure. John Diaz says, not sure if anybody has already explained how it was discovered that the plural of To Love Me Volume 2 is Pamela Anderson, but if you slash use To Love Me, it parses it as multi-use two copies of Love Me. You don't have that many Pamela Andersons. You've only got one. Yeah. Um, I mean, so much, uh, like a lot of stuff got exposed by chat commands that was never exposed when you couldn't, you know, somebody could have URL forced that maybe, probably not, but when that slash use chat command was made, CDM just made it. So if you didn't have enough of them, it would say you don't have enough. And then the thing to do is to list the plural. Right. So, sure. you know, it's not his fault that we made dumb jokes in the plurals of things that you're never supposed to be able to get more than one of. Uh, now I feel like I should go through there and make sure there weren't any like, you know, fucking cunt bags as the plural of anything. Well, I mean, that's no. the plural of the fucking cut bag. That's true. Which I thought you could always get more than one of those. No, I mean, you you only have the one cunt slot to equip it in. Mm-hmm. Gross. Gross. If you have the profanity filter on, it's just called slot slot. Stumps McGee says, this is probably a petty request, but I don't like to click more than three places to go to an adventure. For some reason, four clicks just seems like it's taking forever. I think part of this is that 95% of the game requires three clicks or less using the iconic top menu. The Highlands bug me a bit because it's an area that I'll go to four or five times in a run. Could they get their own place in the mountains? That way I don't have to click through the orc chasm every time. Um. Mm. Mm. That's, I don't know about that. I think the answer is a thing that C.D. Moyer is already working on where you will basically be able to set up a custom icon in the iconic top menu that is just a an arbitrary chat command or macro. So you will be able to set one up that is just slash go highlands, pick an icon for it, and then it's just there, custom. Hmm. He also says, uh, similarly, could we get an icon to the basement of the clan? Yeah, I can see that. But that's only one click from the top menu. It, well, click and then click. You click the top menu and then you click the basement. Um, the Merkin Temple and Third Floor Spooky Raven are optional, and for the most part, you only go there once a run at most, so they don't really bug me. Spring Break Beach is optional, too, but it takes an unforgivable five clicks to get there. I don't know that it's unforgivable, exactly. I think maybe it just shows the staggering depth and breadth of the of the content that we've created for you and and i mean i guess if you really can't forgive us for that then maybe you're right but yeah and i come to the airport uh let's see Solvumnus says, I really like the art for the floors in Spooky Raven. have you considered redrawing other i think you guys call them container documents like the distant woods for instance yeah, the woods is tricky. Because, like, imagining the way, like, the, the, it's not as hard as the mountains, although I really don't like those tiny, shrunk-down, super low, weird line weight trees and mountains that are in there. And so even just, like, drawing those at normal scale would make it look better. But, like, I cannot think of a good way to present the mountains as a thing that actually sort of looked like a place you know the Mm. mountains in the woods are are the like most egregious remnants of like this used to just be a grid of icons rather than a representation of a place um 
I mean, it's also weird that there's a forest inside the woods and shit like that. You know, there's multiple forests. Well, there's some trees and then there's the forest. Yeah, I sometimes can't see one for the other. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Wax says, Scully, are you okay? I am okay. I am okay, Scully. I have not been hit by a smooth criminal. Uh, Smellvira says, that's a good name. Ahoy, Chicken Co. Since you asked, I like the new Spooky Raven lots. Specifically, I like the animated Lady Spooky Raven on the map, and I always like when an NPC uses K-Mail, since it isn't overused. The whole area feels more alive now, despite its inhabitants being dead as ever. Ha <laughs> ha, great work. Ho ho Um... Unrelated. Today I was chugging through a sloppy level 30 sneaky peat run mm -hmm. uh, when I got six insults from six pirates and then one beer pong on the first try. Seemed like an RNG joke that this happened today and never during my attempts to be speedy over the past season. It got me wondering, have you ever based any mechanics on a player's total turn count? If not, have you considered it? <laughs> no. That's, I mean... We, we've started doing a little more of that kind of stuff. Like, I have gotten to be more okay in recent years with things just being kind of different for people, depending on where they are in an ascension. Um, like, <sighs> with Spooky Raven specifically, like, the first, on your first ascension, those quests are doled out at the appropriate level. And on, you know, subsequent extensions, you can just do them as fast as you finish them, which I think people like because they like being able to prep stuff for level 11. And after sure. after giving them the the pirate branch that is, I think, largely ignored by optimizers because of your inability to prep it and also because it's, I guess, slightly longer than the pirate route. Um, I kind of wanted to throw more of a bone in that direction with Spooky Raven. And also, like, it's like fucking 16 zones right so having you know it was always a thing that was spread out across levels I like it better now that there's a floor that is at a level that you get a quest that you can then just do as opposed to before where it's like oh well the next step is for me to go to this thing that I'm not nearly powerful enough to survive fights in so I guess I will forget about that forever yeah. and stop playing the game and burn down their PO box did someone burn down our P.O. box again? Yeah, and I'm assuming that's why. Yeah. We'll never know, because they they mailed us a letter explaining their the reasoning. Mm. Yeah. Wax says, why do you close your eyes when I submit questions? I don't, I just uh, close my eyes when I read them. Yeah. Lightwolf says, so Bank of KOL came back. One thing mentioned in the return thread is that sometime during the absence, the account sold high meat cost items after the account had reached the meat integer max for a player, effectively vanishing that meat. Uh, for a game as long-lived as this, do you worry about certain ceilings being hit with game numbers like that? Meat, stats, or other possibly behind-the-scenes variables? Are there ever changes you've considered making to increasing some of those integer limit variables? Uh, or are there additional means to track the consequences of hitting these limits on the back end? Well, one change that I made to increase one of those limit variables was a little change that we call Black Sunday, uh, which has made me a little gun-shy about that one in particular. And I know what happened there, but it... It comes up so infrequently that I just haven't messed with it. And, you know, the people who are likely to run afoul of it know how to get around it. And while that is goofy, it's not that goofy. I mean, stat limits, you got to go fucking nuts to get to those. 
Yeah. And so it's like whatever. Um, Wack says, are you going to make a Ukraine zone to get more Russian players into the game? Wack, that's why I close my eyes when I read your questions. That would be a Crimea against humanity. LOL. Yeah. That was funny. Uh, Linguini Lad says, so I was listening to a radio show from April or May and you guys were talking about how changing puppet strings so you can't use them on people you ignore would disincentivize PvP. I just tried using it on somebody that has me on ignore and it won't work. What happened? What made you change your mind? It's probably not that I changed my mind. It's probably that I didn't remember how it worked in the first place or didn't know. Hmm. Whenever somebody says, could you make it so this doesn't work on people who have you ignored? I give the question asker the benefit of the doubt and assume that they know what they're talking about. But then I remember all the times when people asked for a link to manage their custom outfits back in the day when that link was somehow in an invisible spot. Pobblebunk says, I never noticed this before, but why is there an extra empty chamber in the stenchworm colony under the orchard? Did you ever plan for there to be an extra step? Uh, I don't know. Maybe I did. Maybe it was just the the layout of it looked neater with that in there. You wanted pe- you wanted people to imagine, you know, in the same way that Star Wars provided these background characters who looked really interesting, but you didn't get the story on them. Yeah, until you. Until I think you, you just read all you the, wanted people to imagine what that empty room was. Until you read all the make EU up novels. real dumb shit. <clears throat> yeah, you know those novels. The, that European, take place in the European Union. Union. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, crazy Mad Scientist one two three, Crazy Mad Scientist without any vowels. Did you know that you can remove all of the vowels from English and it's still totally parsable? Yes. Um, <laughs> sorry. Y counts as a vowel, so you should have just said S. Only, only sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, only before E. What are the thoughts on familiars, and more so, how familiars get dumped into the void that is the terrarium when they're no longer useful? Uh, useful being in quotes. It feels like, despite wanting to use some of them, it's hard to envision oneself using, say, the baby gravy fairy when you have any other fairy type familiar. Um. I feel that Buddy Bjorn and Crown of Thrones tackle this on a smaller scale, but can we expect something on a larger scale of, say, putting excess familiars to work in some manner, whether it be settling a few or setting a few up at a workstation and sending them out to gather select goods from around the kingdom? While I I do like that idea, the sort of modern MMO crafting gathering uh, kind of model of what your buddies might be doing while you're off uh, living your adventurous lifestyle, I don't know that giving you one decision to make per familiar at every moment is a thing that anybody needs in this game. Um, I mean, it's, I, I see what you mean, right? The early familiars, especially were us learning by, by inventing what kinds of basic things familiars can do. And so like, the earliest familiars, like the first half a dozen familiars, sort of became more just emblematic categories of familiar behavior than a thing that you would actually use. But they are still, in a lot of cases, uh, the some of the first familiars you get that are like that. I mean, it's weird. Like, I feel like if the volleyball, if we had... The the really important familiar functionalities are also the ones whose original uh, 
uh, you know, original uh, kind of what do you what do you call uh, exemplars? Original exemplars are real obscure, you yeah. know. And so, I mean, the smiling rat is the first volleyball that most people get now because you don't have to look in the wiki to figure out how to do this really, really obscure thing to make this really, really important category of familiar, Um, which is good, but it's funnier to describe flat stat gain familiars as volleyballs than it is to describe them as rats. Um, You know, and it's less, less boring than calling them smilers. Yeah. So, I mean, a consequence of there being a whole bunch of shit somewhere is that a lot of that shit is going to be maybe boring subsets of other shit. But I prefer not to think of as a fairy, not to think of a fairy as a boring subset of other fairy-like familiars, but other fairy-like familiars as being an awesome superset of fairy-type familiars. Yeah. Mm Mm-mm. Let's see. Joy says, I just killed the naughty sorceress and realized that she didn't debuff my intrinsics, human undead hybrid, bug or feature for Mr. A content. Um, I don't know what would break if she dispelled intrinsics. I, I think, though, that, like, the Kung Fu Hustler intrinsics probably don't go away. You know, it's it's less a feature for Mr. A content than a systemic understanding that intrinsics and effects are different things. Right. Mm. Uh, let's see. Hamfish says, I mean, damned fish says, the character we're meant to be controlling does some very inconsistent things, which I quite like. I gather this is both due to having different writers for different stuff, and a lot of the time just to make something funny. After killing hundreds of skeletons in Dreadsylvania with cool magic, because weapons are for losers, I ate some food. You eat the pat of butter, which is gross, but what's even grosser is that you get butter all over your fingers, and what's even grosser than that is that you rub it in your hair afterwards. I get this mental image of a cool wizard doing exactly that, then looking at their hands in horror like, why did I just do that? It gave me a laugh, and so I just felt like sharing. As always, thanks for being so awesome. You see, that is what we in the business refer to as emergent narrative. Hmm. I just, yeah. Well, I suppose so. Joy says, I'm thinking about going back into PvP, but I don't remember which items can be looted if I smash that hippie crap. Can you clear that up for me so I can determine if I need to protect my stuff? I don't care if people take my toast, but I would be sad if I lost my tiny plastic sword. I think that you can get a list of everything that you have in your inventory that can be stolen by going to the auto-sell page. And if something shows up as a thing that can be auto-sold, then that is also a thing that can be stolen unless it's untradeable. So I don't think tiny plastic swords can be stolen because I don't think that they have an auto-sell value. Because I think that when PvP, when PvP like 1.5 was a thing, we went through and with a lot of the old content that was auto-sellable because it predated the sort of practice of making important or valuable things un-auto-sellable. We went back and made them un-auto-sellable, both to protect people from accidentally selling them and to make them no longer stealable in PvP. Um, We were thinking about that a lot recently because of another thing that uses the same rubric for determining which things can be acted on. I don't know if anybody's really messed around with that enough to understand how it works yet oh man 
Linguini Lad says, are we allowed to submit questions in binary? You are not allowed to submit them in any other way. Question for Mr. Skullhead, says Linguini Lad. Did you buy the I Love Me Volume 1 book you talked about on an earlier podcast? If so, how did you like it? I have not bought it yet, but I just remembered that that was a thing, and I will probably buy it soon. Um... Popcap280 says, Hi, still love in the airport. I'm really glad to hear that you allowed zones to it around three times a year. I have a rather important question. I have a few friends that I would like to tell about KOL. My problem is, I don't know how to tell them what it's about. Saying my favorite thing to do is Club Seals doesn't seem like a good idea. How would you tell a teenager what the game is about? I personally started to play because it was funny and stayed because of how much there is to do and learn. Thanks, Popcap280. Gosh, I don't know. What do you think, Mr. Skullhead? I mean, I think that you should always lead with, this is a funny game that's fun to play that you can just play a a little bit of it every day and you read some funny text and eventually you might you know they're cool people to chat with but it's just fun and silly to play and then like let them discover on their own that it's also something that you can put a lot of time and effort into getting good at but yeah i definitely think as far as introductions go it's like well it's like role-playing games only it's funny and there's not a lot of graphics but the text is really funny and there's a lot that you can do but you can also just do a little bit if you if that's what you want oh man somebody uh i would stress its casual nature stress its casual nature so that people will believe that it has one um somebody uh tweeted at us a few days ago saying that kingdom of loathing got name dropped on loveline Which it did. There was a guy like they had put out. I hadn't listened to Loveline in years, but apparently they have a thing that they do where they they like put out a request for calls about a specific topic for for Mm -hmm. either every episode or for some episodes. And in this one, this one was uh, relationships between people with really large age differences. And this guy called in who was like a guy in his 30s who had hooked up with a woman in her 60s. After meeting her because he sold KOL items on eBay and she bought some from him. (laughs) And they like they asked him like, you know, because he just like described it as like a video game or whatever. And they asked him what game. And he he just said it was Kingdom of Loathing and described it as being being just a real, real simple game. Uh But the thing is. I don't think he meant that in a disparaging way, because anybody who understood that the game was a real enough thing that you could sell things in it for real money understands that it's not actually a simple game. I think he was probably just describing it presentationally. Also, I don't know why he thought they actually cared. I guess they asked. Yeah. But that's weird. A real, real, real simple game. It's a shame that we don't have the Comic-Con slideshow anymore, because that would be a perfect addition. Yeah, yeah, it would. That and the stuff about black people. Do you want to? Do you want to talk about the Black Forest? Uh, yeah, sure. I don't know. You know, you supposed so in the in the brainstorming uh, thread about that, you had proposed like maybe going a black as in like dark, you know, like black like a tomb, uh, right. Uh, black like myself rather than yeah. rather than like just to avoid you know rather than actually color black uh, just to avoid a uh, potential racial jokes and i while while that would have been a fine way of doing it i think that we could probably stand to back off from the spooky stuff for a while uh, uh-huh. man 
Like, I like the idea of there being a man in black, and you're not sure if it's okay to use that, so you just refer to him by the old-fashioned way of describing that, which is to spook. You know, it's like a government spook. Yeah, I I think that's a pretty funny joke. Um, Um, so... I'm taking like like we're just sort of kind of redoing the way the the black market works. And it's it's basically done. Like I feel like if you and Riff both get your pings done by the end of the day tomorrow, I could roll this out while it's still early enough in this challenge path that it won't make a difference either way. And that would make me pretty happy if we could do that. Yeah, um, that can there's, happen. There's very little actually to do. Um, but in in getting rid of the black knight. I looked at the rest of it, and I don't think there's anything else in there that I think is really questionable. It's weird. Like, I feel like the Black Panther is just played straight. You know? Like, oh, it's just a Black Yeah, it just falls into that category of phrases that you may be familiar with. Yeah. That we're interpreting literally, so I think that's fine. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think that there is really anything else in there that makes me even a little bit uncomfortable the way that yeah. the way that the black knight does and so with that guy just that guy just going bye bye this would be a good opportunity to get that dude in the fax network if he's not already or maybe the blacks mm. network oh huh it would be funny to like BET yeah <laughs> it wouldn't be funny to BET it wasn't funny at all it was heartwarming <laughs> um, nah. yes uh, no. So tell me if this is a funny, uh, a funny visual gag or not. It is a, it is a fax machine with a sign on it that says colors only. <laughs> okay. Cause that's, that's uh, weird, right? Cause right. those two things weren't a thing at the same time. Is that, <laughs> is, is that racially insensitive or is it just, or is it just weird? I think that hits more the randomness than the taboo. Okay. Um, I still want to be in a situation where I can give a talk about how all of the the aspects of comedy can be described using the acronym ARTS, and then at the end say, oh, and I forgot the most important one, and then put farts at the top to make it spell farts both ways. Yeah. <sighs> so what did we... What, what are they? It's absurdity... Ti- reversal. Okay, absurdity, reversal, timing... Taboo. taboo. Okay. And scatology, I think. But scatology is kind of the same as taboo. Okay. Yeah. It changes. I, I need it. The other part of that is I need to nail that down. <laughs> right. But the things that are, you know, like there's absurdity reversal is the like, it's a horse riding on top of a guy. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's, that is a pretty Hilarious. good illustration of that kind of joke. Uh, Soviet Russia could be the S, but then that's the same as reversal. Mm. S- s- sarcasm? Yeah. Some, we'll get yeah. there. I mean, what are the... What are the important... Like, what... Uh, what are... Like, what a, are the ways in which something can be fun? Like, how, how can you distill that down to four or five things? Because you're making it a, all up. Either way, right? Right. But there was a guy recently who proposed this unified theory of 
comedy, which was like a, it was a, something that was not a, a harm, but like a, a, something that's a violation, but not too much of a violation is funny. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you offend someone, you've gone too far on the violation scale. And if you don't, if they don't find it funny, you haven't gone far enough on the violation scale. And then they went on to describe things like something that's absurd makes you laugh because it's a violation of your feeling of, of, of just like common sense or order and logic. You know, surprise. And surprise they went on to describe several of those. Yeah. Like surprise is something that makes you afraid, but it's in a harmless way. So like he described all humor as a harmless violation. But like that, that kind of makes sense. I mean, it is a thing that is nebulous enough that you can use it to describe a lot of things yeah. anyway. I mean, Jamin's, Jamin's idea on it was that it was like, it was your brain's reaction to concept, to concepts being connected that you understand shouldn't be connected. And so uh-huh. you have this reaction. I mean, up to like, and I don't know if this was like from a book that he read or something, but I remember him saying something about like laughter being a biological like de- a deliberate interruption of the process of actually connecting the concepts. Huh. So so like creating this this sort of like violent thing that happens to you so that you don't like so that you prevent yourself from actually believing the thing. But right. it needs to be but it needs to be a thing that's like a thing that you would believe. But yeah. I mean that doesn't I mean it doesn't explain why jackass is funny, and it doesn't explain why Mad Libs are funny, unless right. unless like the juxtaposition of two random things put into some structure that tries to put two random things together when you know those things shouldn't be together. I don't know why Mad Libs are funny. They don't have to be. It doesn't have to be like the, you know, the F reason, right? It's not like, oh, a very poopy story. No, but it can, it's definitely absurdity. Yeah. Uh, uh. Fred Levi says, so Ollie likes Angry Birds, huh? Does that mean he's going to have an Angry Birds themed birthday party with a pinata you break open by shooting rocks painted to look like Angry Birds with slingshots instead of with a stick? He is now. You think it's a good idea to give your kid and his friends a bunch of slingshots? Uh, Dennis the Menace had one, and he he did fine. No, I don't think that'll happen. He had. I've been reluctant to get into the themed party thing in the same way that I'm reluctant to buy like an entire Angry Birds sheet set and comforter and wall Klingons and shit. Wait, is it is like Star Trek Angry Birds? <laughs> Yeah, Angry Birds Star Trek is the next one that's coming out. Hmm. They're like Angry Birds of Prey. Uh, yeah. Oh man, remember that joke about why is the Starship Enterprise like toilet paper? Yeah. yeah. I remember the punchline to that being they both circle around Uranus and search for Klingons. But yep. toilet paper, I don't know anybody who wipes in a circle. 
It's like, that's my, this is, I love that that's where that joke breaks well, down for it's you. It's my entry in the front to back or back to front debate is like, fuck all y'all. I wipe in a circle. Like, and also you would never, no one has ever said, oh, I got, I had some real Klingons the last time I took a dump. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, there was also that joke about how the, the Native American goes into the store and asks to buy some Charmin and the shopkeeper says, well, all we have is this generic toilet paper. And the Indian says, what does that mean? And the shopkeeper says, well, you know, it's just, it's just a little cheaper, made with a little lower quality ingredients. And he takes it back, comes in the next day and was like, we've, we refer to this as not generic toilet paper, but John Wayne toilet paper. And the shopkeeper says, why do you call it that? And he says, cause it's rough and tough and doesn't take any shit off Indians, which is funny. I kind of, I kind of love that joke, and I hope that it's it's not offensive because it's hilarious. Because it, it doesn't have like it could be anyone who had ever had a nemesis, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I had always also sort of before have to be, I heard the version you tell. Yeah. I had I had always heard it as it's rough, it's tough, and it doesn't take any shit off anyone. Okay. Which I guess is the the slightly. Slightly more acceptable version. I guess John Wayne himself probably didn't really have a problem with Native Americans. You know, just the characters that he played. Like a a rooster cogburn, say. I hate it when my rooster cog gets burned. rough and tough and gets bit by a rattlesnake. Which, that was weird. Why why would a rattlesnake bite our toilet paper? No, maybe. uh, No, I have no, I, I have nothing. Tombsice okay, says, A robot uprising is a common science fiction trope. While those have yet to rebel, is it possible that any other construct of man marched to destruction? Have corporations grown out of man's control? Well, this is a surprisingly, uh, you know, serious question for this format. Jesus, bro. I don't know. Can corporations rise out of man's control? Corporations are made of men. But are they men or are they divas? Soylent Green is men. I could be. I kind of. I kind of feel like corporations are beyond the control of anyone but the people who run them. Well, sure, but they. Like, but they, that those are still men, right? I mean, like, yeah. I, it's not like the corporation has gained sentience. Yeah, I mean, I do believe that any organization of sufficient size starts to behave as though it has its own motives. Hmm. And and develops a develops like self preservation behaviors that are not necessarily aligned with the stated purpose of whatever the organization is or whatever purposes it was formed for. You right. know. Um. But yeah, robots also are like that. Uh, Infinia says, I'm in the process of trying to permanent spooky raven skills, and I just heard the mansion is being revamped. Will the skills still be available in the revamp? Uh, yes. <laughs> Although not, uh, not the first couple days. I fucked up and didn't put the two knights and maidens choice in the new copy of the gallery until yesterday, I think. Also, this month's item of the month is quite a bit of fun and really gets challenging fast. Well, thanks. I am glad you're having fun with it. Oh. Uh, Wax says, El Dia de los Muertos, but nachos. Good job. Thanks for sharing, Wax. Good job, Wax. Quality work. 
Uh, John Diaz says, can we perhaps get an indication of whether an enemy has been successfully banished? I get the same message every time I use, e.g., a crystal skull, and the only way to be sure is to keep adventuring and hope. I think that enemies will usually tell you when they're not banished. I, th- I think. Mm. By showing up again? N- no, by giving you a... Like, by not letting you use the banisher in the first place. Like, I think that uh, when you use a crystal skull, it always works. Unless it doesn't let you use it. Max Droom, this is weird. I remember a few weeks ago, as in before Sneaky Pete dropped, Mr. Skullhead was talking about making an ugly girl name generator. Did this ever get added to the game, or is it still waiting on something? I... Do you know what you're talking about? Do, do you know what you're talking about, Mr. Skullhead? <laughs> Sometimes. I... Yeah, that was... It wasn't so much an ugly girl name generator as it was a list of names for it to be randomly pulled, and it was used in the Grimm Brothers fairy tales. Mm. What? For, like, the, the ugly stepsisters and the evil queens and stuff. Oh, I see. I see. So it's it's not like combining aspects of words, like combining roots to make words. It's just, like, names like Hirsutia and Butfacia. <laughs> okay. Griselda and stuff. I had an inflation. I had I an inflation of, of my fascia. It's uh, it makes it really hard to sit down. Yeah, I would guess. I don't know if you have butt fascia or not. I don't know what the fa- so I know that fascia. <laughs> you uh-huh, do. I know that fascia are the boards that like line your roof. There's also a la- there is a layer of skin that's the fascia. There's your. Or the under the underneath the stuff that ties your skin to your organs. Okay, there's the, I guess that maybe that's your plantar fascia. I guess because you yeah. can get plantar warts, that must have something to do with the skin. I always assumed that it was like some some connection of bones or something that were the fascia. Yeah, and when you cut a plantar's wart open, there are peanuts inside there. And that's where a plantar's peanuts come Ugh. from. Yeah, man, just <laughs> Jimmy Carter hard at work, just slicing open feet. Just day in, <laughs> day in and day out. Um, Pantsorama says, "Oh, and this is also RNG. He hate me." Uh, Jick, when you do your Watch the Wizard at Work World uh, event, please do not give the monsters factoids, or if you do, please make them puttyable. My inner collector is at your mercy. Thanks, and I'm looking forward to watching the magic happen slash seeing how the sausages get made. Yeah, you know, um, in this, as in all things, my default position is to make things puttyable so the normal monsters that occur in this world event will be if there is a boss uh, i will not give him factoids or her mm-hmm. or you know it, it. azure yep uh well mr Skullhead, i have to pee bad enough that i'm gonna suggest that we end the show so i can pee how do you feel about that? Are you a bad enough dude to go pee right now? <laughs> Am I a bad enough dude to pee on President Ronnie? Probably. Uh, yeah, I'm about that. Thank you all for tuning in. I just in. peed on President Ronnie. I'm going to Disneyland. I just asked Vanilla Ice, what's it like having a Roni? I'm and, going to Disneyland. And as a follow-up question, what is a Roni? <laughs> Now I'm just yeah, picturing no, fucking Anakin a- Skywalker from Phantom Menace going, I've, hear- I've been hearing a lot about how nice it is to have a Roni. What is having a Roni? That was going to be on Vanilla Ice's follow-up album, but he didn't uh, He didn't ever make one. Roni, probably, a full expert. He probably did. <laughs> what it is, a Roni. <laughs> hey, what are we having for dinner tonight? Uh, you know, what it is, a Roni. Yep. Lovely. 
Uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll chat at you hopefully next week, and we'll get into a regular schedule like we were before. And uh, I'm Mr. Skullhead, and I'm leaving. I'm Jick, and I'm already gone.